0: Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources.
1: Welcome back to Touchy Subjects. I'm Sean
2: and i'm amanda
1: and today we're going to be discussing sane nursing because april is sexual assault awareness month so we figured it's a great time to have this conversation and today we have two special guests with us brooke gomez and lindsey Bullgrain. so thank you both for joining us today thank, thank you for having us. so could you guys quickly just kind of introduce yourself to our audience
0: sure i will go first uh, my name is brooke gomez i am the sexual assault response team coordinator at Child and Family Services in the Sexual Assault Center. Um, Along with that, I also run the same program, so the Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner Program. Uh, I've been with Child and Family for just over three years now. Um, I have my bachelor's in social work, and I am currently pursuing my master in public health, so I will be completing that in August. Um, And so hopefully I'll be able to apply that to my current role here at the Sexual Assault Center. Awesome. I didn't know
3: you were doing your master's. Good job, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm Lindsay, and I am a family practice nurse practitioner. I've been a nurse since 2006. Um, I just recently moved to the area and became a sexual assault nurse in September of 2021. So I haven't been a SANE nurse for very long. Um, But in this area, we have been pretty busy lately. I don't know why. Um, But I have done uh, 20 exams just in the last since September. Um, I got my bachelor's at Wayne State University in Detroit and my master's in nurse practitioner here in Saginaw, Saginaw Valley State University. And I am a mom of two cats.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, th- again, thank you both for being here today. Um Also, Brick, didn't know that you were going to be Get a master's in public health so welcome to the world of public health it is nice to have another master's of public health to talk to <laughs> yeah
0: i might be picking your brain at some point so uh,
1: please feel free um but so really the purpose of the episode today is we really wanted to kind of highlight what sane nursing is because we know it's incredibly vital for helping victims and survivors of sexual assault because if they are showing up to the emergency room having somebody there who knows kind of how to navigate those conversations and work with a victim or a survivor is instrumental in helping them be able to overcome some of the initial hurdles that they may experience. So really quickly, could you guys kind of just explain what SANE Nursing is?
0: Well, from the practical standpoint, SANE Nursing is, um, it really is a specialized nurse who has been given a 41 hour training. And so it's all online. They're able to go through a bunch of modules, anything from medical history to um, building rapport to evidence collection, all of that. Um, And so they are able to provide that comprehensive care for survivors of sexual assault. Um, And so they can really do anything, uh, again, so from providing that pregnancy prevention um, and then also that evidence collection that could potentially be used to prosecute a perpetrator. So they do that online portion, they'll go through all of this schooling and then following that most places have either a clinical skills or a preceptorship. So that is basically going through and practicing everything that they've learned on that online portal. So they'll have to do those speculum practices, uh, the rapport building, paperwork practice, um, and then evidence collection practice. So for us, they will have to do um, three shadows. So the first one they'll just watch, the second they'll assist. And then the final one they will um, do on their own with supervision. So um, we like to make sure that following that online portion that can sometimes, you know, not give you the skills that you need in the field. We wanna make sure that they have enough time to practice and feel comfortable for when they go in um, and respond to those calls. I don't really have much to add to that. You pretty much covered it all, Brooke. I just wanted to add too, I think that this is a very important portion of it is that the, the same nurses Um, are very trauma-informed and victim-centered. And so a lot of times people don't function from um, that perspective. And so these nurses, they know what to ask, they know how to ask it, and they're they're able to kind of function in this place of compassion and support. And so they're providing this safe space for the victim to um, have this exam, however they feel is most appropriate for the stage that they're at. Um, And so I think that's really important because they're constantly told to let the victim navigate and determine how they want this to go. And I think that's a huge um, bonus because they're essentially giving that victim the control back that they lost following that assault.
2: Yeah, that's fairly important. You know, when you go to the doctor, you go see a nurse, you go to the hospital, in most circumstances, it's directed by the person who's giving you the care. They tell you what you need, they tell you what tests you're gonna have, they tell you what medications you're gonna take. And for somebody who's had choices already taken away from them because they've gone through this assault, that's just so important to give that power back to the patient. Mm
3: -hmm. That's really one of my favorite things about doing SANE Nursing is that to me, it's almost empowering the patient um, that they, or the victim, um, just by them showing up to have the exam to me, you know, is like super admirable. And I tell them over and over throughout the exam, throughout the interview, throughout everything, that they're in complete control of the exam. If at any point there's something they don't want done, we don't do it. They want me to stop at any point, we stop. Um, And that, you know, really everything is in their control while they're with me in that room. And I think that that's super helpful for them.
1: Yeah. So really quick, Lindsay, speaking to the kind of exam portion of it, what does a SANE nurse exam kind of look like?
3: So it can look very different depending on the victim, depending on the age, the gender, um, and really what they want done. So in a typical exam, if, if they want the whole exam to be completed, and they have had like a pretty traumatic, physically um, damaging assault. Um, we would first, they come into our start room. We have a specific room in each facility, in each hospital here in Saginaw called a sexual assault response room. Um, that's apart from the emergency room. So they're not, they're kind of taken out of that chaotic environment and put kind of in a more quiet, controlled space. Um, and we first start just with the interview process, um, kind of let them decompress a little bit. We always offer food and water and, you know, make sure that they're comfortable. Um, And then we just kind of go through what happened to them as much as they can tell me, as quickly as they can tell me, as slowly as they can tell me, however they want to present what's going on. And then based on what I'm told is how we kind of direct the exam, Um, basically like different body parts that were touched or whatever, that's kind of where I focus the exam for DNA collection and swabbing. So after the uh, interview portion we start the physical exam and as a nurse you know our job primarily is to just make sure that they're okay we're not just like totally there for evidence collection because anybody can do that so um, we take vital signs we kind of do a head-to-toe assessment really looking for any um, bruising scratches anything on the skin that we can see that could be a result of the assault Um, you look for different things. Uh, We always go through their hair, make sure that there's nothing in the hair that could be, um, you know, like if it happened in a field versus if it happened in somebody's house or whatever, if you can collect any type of um, evidence, uh, we look for it. Um, And then it comes down to the genital exam um, where we do external exams and internal speculum exams if they want. And in each part of that, we do different swabs and evidence collection.
1: Well, thank you for that. Um, mainly because I wanted to ask the question, because I know that if someone's listening and one of the barriers that they might have to actually going and seeing a nurse or going into the ER after a sexual assault is they're not quite sure what that's going to look like. Or one of the overarching, I d- beliefs around especially like a rape kit examination is the invasive nature of it. Because this person has already been victimized and now they're going into the emergency room. And if they decide to go through with a rape kit exam, all of those things that people tend to hear aren't super great. (laughs) So thank you for sharing kind of how that exam looks a little bit and also making that emphasis on if they want to do those things.
3: Right. And there's also another huge component to what we offer victims, not only... um the actual forensic evidence collection, if that's what they choose. Um, they can also choose um, to just come in and get a medical exam by us. Um, we can just look them over and make sure that they're okay. It has nothing to do with the genital exam or any type of forensic um, swabbing, um, but also we do medical exams and then we also offer STD prophylaxis. So if they were a victim, but they don't really want you to touch them. They don't really want anything done. They just want to make sure that they're safe and protected from STDs. Um, We can give them medication for the three most common STDs, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomonas. And then if it's within a 72-hour window, they can also get plan B um, for pregnancy prevention, which are also super important for a lot of people who've been victimized.
2: One more thing that I would just like you to, to talk about, just to get it out there for anybody who's potentially listening, who might one day need to talk to someone about an exam or have an exam themselves. Um, There's a, a pretty strong belief out there, I think in the general public that if you get this exam, then you have to go through with filing a police report, prosecution, things like that. Um, Can you just maybe let our listeners know what that process looks like?
0: You want to take this one, Brooke? Sure. Um, So you are absolutely right. A lot of folks do not want to come forward um, because they feel like if they get this exam, that law enforcement has to be involved. And that is absolutely false. Um, It is, there are MCLs and laws surrounding this that state that a victim can get this exam done without ever having to speak to police. Um, so one thing that does kind of get a little muddied and I think confuses folks is that when they present to the hospital, the hospital has um, certain things that they have to do to stay compliant and to you know avoid liability. So they have to call law enforcement because sexual assault is divided, um, I'm sorry, is determined as a violent crime. So sometimes victims will present there and they will see law enforcement because the hospital's just doing their due diligence um, and they'll see law enforcement there. Um, but they, in fact, do not have to speak to them. Um, and so we tell all of our victims that this is a big thing that just happened. Making these decisions is not something you can make quickly. And so if you want to take a second, we will store that evidence kit for up to 18 months. And you can call us at any time when you feel it is appropriate for you to move forward and speak to police. Or you can just store it until um, indefinitely until you decide that you would no longer like to move forward with it. Um, I just wanted to add one thing. I know that we're kind of swinging around here, but um, while the evidence collection is extremely important, I think one of the things, especially, Lindsay does this fantastically, um, but I think one of the most important things about having a same nurse come in and, and provide this service is that the victims are being heard. And I think they're being heard and they're being believed. And when that happens, the it changes the entire trajectory of how their journey is going to go. And so when they encounter someone who's compassionate, who's, you know, listening to them, believing them and encouraging them, I think that does wonders um, for the outcome of their journey. That could potentially lead for to them getting counseling or um, seeking follow-up services. And I think that that's one of the aspects that is fantastic about having a specially trained nurse provide these services.
1: Yeah, it really feels like it's one of the most important things about having a sane nurse be available in their area is that when a victim or survivor does show up to the ER, knowing that there is someone there who is going to be in their corner is huge. Because it, like Lindsay was saying, when her main focus is making sure that patient is comfortable, that's a difficult thing to do, especially after they've been sexually assaulted, making them just feel comfortable in a space with somebody who they don't know. That is an incredibly difficult task. So I applaud you and thank you, Lindsay, and any other same nurse doing that job because that's really hard.
3: It is hard. And sometimes it can't be, a, you know, we can't always make people as comfortable as we want them to be, but, I mean, all we can do is really try and hope that they kind of um, open up to us, you know, enough to to do what we need to do to help them.
2: And so you don't also, I mean, you don't just work. In the emergency rooms, you work with domestic violence and sexual assault agencies in your area. Um, So people don't necessarily have to go to the emergency room to get this examination. They can contact their, you know, their local sexual assault center and be connected with a nurse and potentially, you know, um, a victim advocate as well. And, you know, do those things outside of a hospital environment.
3: Correct. and I think this is a huge misconception um, that people don't realize that these that these places exist, that there are sexual assault centers, that there are uh, these programs available outside of the emergency room. So typically here in Saginaw um, we're called by the emergency room because that's where people present first, and, you know usually not knowing where else to go or who to call and then the ER will reach out to our program and that's kind of where the ball starts rolling. But I also, so I'm, I'm not employed by the ER, I'm employed by the Sexual Assault Center and then I get called in and sometimes I do the exams in the emergency room, sometimes I take them up to the same room. Um, it just kind of depends on the location and what's going on with the victim. Um, but I also work for the Bay Center Women's Center. Um, and they, they don't really usually do much of their exams at all in hospitals. They usually always orchestrate it so it's done in their center. Um, so it's always kind of trying to keep them from being re-traumatized by an emergency room visit and things along that line.
1: Now, Lindsay, you might be able to answer this question for me. Um, a lot, because we tend to frame the conversation around sexual assault around female victims. Um, are male victims able to see SANE nurses as well. And does that interview or that um, meeting kind of go any differently?
3: No. So absolutely. um, I have done exams on males. Um, I, you know, everybody presents male, uh, female, uh, their orientation is different and of all different types and kinds um, that does not affect whether they can come to us or not. Absolutely. They um, can present for an exam. Um, and really, the exam goes the same way, and uh, they're not going to be treated any differently, whether they're a male or a female. I mean, a victim is a victim, and we still approach it the exact same way.
1: That's cool, because that's not something that I've really, like, looked into that much. Like, I know, like, obviously, like, what SANE nursing is, and I understand, obviously, that men and anybody of any other gender identity can be a victim. But it always seemed like every time I've had conversations around SANE nursing, it was always just Women coming in to get their examination and not anybody else. So, thank you for clearing up that misconception for us. Now, when you're becoming a sane nurse, I know like you were alluding, you talked about it a little bit earlier, Brooke. But, um, kind of what does the pro the full process look like? Does somebody like become an RN? Like, all right, now I'm going to go do be a sane nurse, and that's like their main focus, or like how does that look?
0: So, um. According to IEFN, best practices is that um, the nurse has been practicing for three years or so. um, And then once they uh, accomplish that, then they can sign on to do that online portion. Um, So in our area, unfortunately, uh, we don't have a full-time SANE. So most of our SANE's are contracted, like Lindsay was saying, through like the sexual assault centers, um, which is unfortunate because it, it really does limit our coverage there's, we don't have very many same nurses right now. We have about five for the sexual assault center, who um, and they also have full time jobs. And so this is kind of in our area. This is a passion project. This is same nurses who um, know that there are people out there hurting, want to help, want to be part of the solution. And so they've signed on um, and have committed to help fill that gap. Um, but in other bigger cities and things like that, same nursing can be a full time gig. Um, so they can be employed in the hospital and they can have be like the hospital's full-time same. In a perfect world, we would have that, but here we are um, doing the best we can with what we have. And our same nurses are absolutely fantastic. Um, and so we're we're so fortunate that we have them. Um, it would just be lovely to have so many more, just so we can fill those gaps and we can always provide that exam. Because we talked about how important it is to have that same there. And so if we could be responding, uh, the only folks responding to these exams, that would be perfect. But um, unfortunately, we are working with with uh, the staff that we have. Uh, so if you know of anybody who's looking to be a SANE nurse, we would love to have you. Um, there's always some work to be done.
1: I'll make sure to plug it to some of my nursing friends.
2: <laughs> so if someone wanted to get some more information about becoming a SANE nurse. Um, who would they contact and realizing that our podcast goes out all over the world um, where's a good place for them to start is there a website where they can look up local places should they just contact their local sexual assault center what should they do um
0: well like i mentioned earlier iafn so international association of forensic nurses they are kind of um, the hub so they are Um, in charge of kind of managing all the programs throughout the United States. And I'm not sure if it's international, but I know for sure in the United States. Um, So they are really the first stop for folks who don't know of a sexual assault center or know of hospitals that are offering that. They can go there and see the agencies that are in whatever city, state, wherever they are. Um, So also they can contact the sexual assault center. They can contact our agency. And actually they'll speak with me and if they have any interest, we can get them connected. Uh, The sexual assault program does pay for their training. So it is a little bit of an expensive training but we do pay for that. And so um, we pay for the online portion and then we will do our best to get them either a clinical skills lab or get them um, through our own preceptorship. So that's doing those shadows but because exams are not consistent and unpredictable, it's hard to kind of get folks through that portion. Um, So we do do our best to get them in a clinical skills lab. But also as of right now, both U of M Flint and MSU's nursing programs have gotten the HERSA grant, which is um, to help rural areas get more sane nurses. So they are going to pay for not only that like online, um, like paperwork and educational portion, but they're also providing a clinical skills lab. And then they're also providing um, for certification. So they will pay for certification Oh, well. awesome. Yeah. And so it's they're They just kicked this off. And so they're looking, they have a three year grant. And so they're looking to get as many SANE nurses so we can fill those coverage gaps and we can make sure everybody who wants an exam can get one from um especially trained SANE nurse.
1: Well, that's awesome news, especially because, just because we know um, typically rural communities are often lacking in terms of resources available, not just to victims of sexual assault, domestic violence, but just people in general. Um, it's hard to get people to go out to the rural, the rural areas. It's hard to have all these different things available to them because of how small those communities are. So it's really n- cool knowing that at least in our state, they're being able to push those things out, hopefully to help those communities a bit more. Um, but Lindsay, so now we know kind of how the process of becoming a SANE nurse looks. And we know some of the stuff that you get taught. How does it look in practice? Cause I know you've talked about a bit about the, um, the, like the meetings and stuff that you do with the patients, but how does, is there any difference between like what you've received in training and how it actually looks?
3: Well, I mean, yes and no. And honestly, every exam that you do is, is so different than the one you did before because you know, every victim is going to be different. Their stories are always going to be different. Um, and how they handle the trauma of being a victim is really the biggest thing that's different between each victim. Um, some people, you know, there's there's two things that go through your brain during a traumatic event. Either you kind of freeze and don't really know what to do, so you just kind of stay there, and that is your brain telling you, if you just sit still, this is gonna keep you the safest If versus trying to fight and run. Or, you know, your brain kicks in and says, fight or flight, you know, do what you can to get out of the situation. Um, Unfortunately, the most common um, thing that our brain tells us to do in traumatic events is to just sit there and be still. And this is a huge issue that a lot of victims just don't understand why they didn't try to do something different. And so this is a a really big educational piece on my part when we do see victims. And it's really kind of like how they how they take that information um, to how, how they kind of um, perceive, you know, their situation and then how they're reacting to the whole uh, thing. Some patients are um, extremely difficult to, you um, have be calm or even, you know, just to be able to tell you their story because they're just hysterical. They're very upset. You know, they just went through an extremely traumatic event. Um, it potentially is maybe too soon for them to be telling me all of this and for me to be doing these things to them. Um, whereas other people uh, can be very withdrawn and just are like, you know, this happened and do what you got to do so I can go home. And so everybody is different. Everybody reacts to trauma differently. And it's just, It's important that people realize that the way that you respond to trauma um, for the most part is normal how you know when people don't fight or flight and things happen to them and they wish that they had done stuff differently like truly that's the best way that they could have stayed alive at that moment. That's the best way they could stay safe at that moment. Um, So it's in practice, like you don't learn about that stuff, (laughs) like how the difference and, you know, you're just kind of learn, like go from A to B and B to C and how you, you know, kind of work through everything. But um, you're dealing with human beings who have just been through something, you know, very traumatic. And so you kind of have to walk into each exam or each interview, you know, with a very open mind and, and see, you know, how it's going to go.
1: I have to imagine that's also probably one of the first times that they kind of hear about or learn about like that freeze mechanism that we have too is we often talk about that fight or flight like everybody knows fight or flight like you're squaring up the fight or you're getting the heck out it's one of those but we overlook the freeze thing so much that i feel like that has to be almost slightly validating for them to know like that was my natural body's reaction that's normal and that's okay i mean obviously there's going to be a lot of work for them to get to that point but having that in that moment, hearing something that is validating of that experience has to be great. So then really quickly, before we wrap anything up, what advice would either of you or both of you give somebody who is looking at becoming a SANE nurse?
3: I'd say your heart has to be in it, um, especially in in this part of Michigan or, you know, wherever you're going to be practicing as a nurse. Um, if you live in anywhere that's even like somewhat rural, um, you know, you're, you're obviously going to probably have another job on top of it. Um, So you have to be willing to get up in the middle of the night and go into, you know, do an exam and then go to work the next morning. Um, You're going to be tired, but, you know, you have to just know deep down that what you're doing truly is a wonderful thing and it really matters and it's super helpful to people. So if your heart really isn't in it, it probably isn't the job for you.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also think that um, it is helpful. There's a lot of resources out there. And so maybe just do a little research on the front end of what same nursing looks like. Um, because a lot of times folks go in and think it it's something and then they come to find it's a little bit different. And so um, I think just having a basic understanding is very helpful. And I, And like Lindsay said, the heart and the passion is huge. And it's difficult getting up, and it's difficult taking those calls, but just remembering the mission and the purpose and and why you're doing it, I think, um, is very very important.
2: And also, I mean, if you're if you're kind of on the edge about it, if you're like, mm, you know, this this is something I'd really like to do. I'd really like to do this help, but I don't have any experience in you know this domestic violence, sexual assault area. Um, Go to your local center, go to a domestic violence or a sexual assault center in your area and just ask if they have maybe a a presentation or a training or something like that that you can go through just to get a little bit more acclimated to the kind of victims that you would be seeing because if you go in, you know, guns blazing, I'm ready to do this, but you've never, you've never been with a person who's been sexually assaulted it could be a slap in the face for you. You might not be ready for it. So definitely get a little bit of a little bit of background or training in it before you make that kind of commitment.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's an excellent point. And I think too, reaching out to those centers that have SANEs, they can easily connect you with a SANE who's been doing it and they can answer those questions because meeting with someone who's kind of like getting you started in the training um, is very different than meeting with someone who has been in the trenches and who has seen things and so I think um, reaching out to those centers and getting paired up with the same who's been doing it would also be um, a fabulous way to kind of get an idea of what it looks like what it feels like and things like that
1: yeah and just one of the thing one of the things that I would add to it is um, it's very I'm trying to think of the actual word that I wanted to use I wanted to use like a smart person word and I just lost it completely um, but It's a very good thing that you want to help victims and survivors of sexual assault, but recognizing that when a victim is going to present to you, you have to be willing and able to listen to them. You have to be able to focus on what they're saying and what they want to do because, yeah, you're going to want to help them because you're wanting to become a sane nurse. You want to help people, but... We have to, like you mentioned earlier, Brooke, we have to focus on being trauma-informed. You have to be willing to listen and help them and give them power in that situation. And if you're worried that you might not be able to do that, take some time. Work with somebody on being able to work on those active listening skills. Being able to have the ability to take that step back and ask them what they want to do and work on doing that instead of saying, hey, we have to do this because this is what my training told me that's going to make it a lot more easy for you to be able to work with victims.
3: Yeah, and I feel like for me, um, I kind of took the training and jumped right in. We didn't have like many exams prior to me starting. And then it just kind of like September was a very busy month. Um, But because I have a lot of nursing experience prior to this um, and as an advanced practice nurse, that helped me tremendously. I don't know, as a as a new nurse, if I would be very comfortable in this role. Um, I think that it really takes a lot of time to learn how to speak to people um, when they're having or undergoing something traumatic, or even when they're in pain, or you know anything. You know, it takes time to to figure out how to create rapport with people um, and just to empathize enough with them so that they feel safe. So um, I think, it, like um, Brooke said, as they want you to have at least three years of experience. Um, And then definitely just know that you are the person for that person. Like you're gonna be their person at that moment. So you kind of have to really own the position that you're in. And it's a big responsibility. So I don't want people to like be a sane nurse because they're like, oh yeah, that's so cool. And you know, I wanna help people. Um, You really have to kind of have your own emotional and mental health in check. Because really, you are coming into some pretty dark places. Um, and it's very common for for providers to you know become traumatized just just as much as you know the victim can be. and we are exposed to a lot of bad and dark things. So you really have to you know be in a right place mentally as well. That's another thing I would say that's definitely a, a must.
0: Um, do you think it's important to include about that sames may have to do a court testimony? Or is that?
1: Yes, that is a good thing. Because
0: good th- I was just looking through my notes and I'm like, this is half of the reason why doctors at the hospital ED don't want to do it because they don't want to have to go to court. They don't want to have to defend the evidence. So that's one of the like why it's important to have a saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I don't know how to put that in there, but.
1: <laughs> you could just kind of like just jump in and be like, oh, yeah. Probably
2: another thing. after Yeah, <laughs> well, because have- you can you can testify to hearsay, right? like you're one of the only people out there that can actually like say well you know and this is what i heard this is what the victim told me and then you can testify to that correct
0: is that what they did for you lindsay
3: uh yeah i don't really know the legal terminology though so i don't really know how to like answer the the question um but yeah so Obviously, when you become a sexual assault, saying or nurse practitioner, nurse examiner, um, obviously you're collecting evidence for a purpose, which is if they ever wanna prosecute, um, you know, you're gonna have to potentially go to court and talk about the findings. So it's really important also that you are good at documenting the injury um, and then that you can attest to everything that you did and found Um, And yes, you know, sometimes what the patients or the victims say to you um, comes into question and different things, you know, that go on in that room, you have to kind of be comfortable talking about in court and it can be intimidating, but in the long run, I I only did it once so far and I thought it was super empowering and awesome because, you know, you're, you're there to, you know, to, to benefit the world, essentially, like you want to make the world a better place and, you know, have people who are doing bad things. Uh, be punished and have justice for the victim.
0: And I think it's important to mention too that with sane nurses, they're not there to prove or disprove whether it did or did not happen. They're literally there just to collect that evidence and to pass that along. A lot of times people confuse it that they're determining, you know, yes, something did happen. Um, and so it's important to recognize that they're there to collect that forensic evidence and then also again create that space where the victim feels safe, heard and all of that. But um yeah they're not in fact looking for yes or no they're just getting all that evidence from where anything
1: happens (laughs) well thank you both for joining us today in your wealth of knowledge this is an incredibly informational episode i even learned some things while listening to like listening to you guys talk so thank you for that um before we go do any of you have any socials or websites or anything that you want to push out to our audience
0: I'm not cool enough to have that, so no, um, but I can be found the sexual assault center in Saginaw. So.
3: Yeah, I don't have anything either.
1: <laughs> all right. I'll make sure I put a link down to the sexual assault center, though, um, and I will also make sure that I have a link to the um, INF
0: IAFN.org.
1: And I'll, yes, I'll make sure that is in the, in the show notes as well. And thank you all for listening today. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Touchy subspod. Email us any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And please rate us on your favorite podcast listening app. It really does help the show out.
2: And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to Touchy Subjects. Yeah.